The following was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio is speaking. So a couple weeks ago, I was um, going out to my truck, and we live in, in River Park in Oxnard, and, and parking can be a little crazy. So there's like room for maybe two cars at any given time, and our garage is filled with things, so it's parking's difficult. And I parked my truck kind of behind our row of townhomes on, on the street. And I'm walking out to, to my truck after, you know, weekend. It's a Monday or Tuesday. And I see this, this thank you card on my, my windshield. And, you know, when you see something like that, it kind of like, there's a little leap in your soul when you get a little gift, right? There's still something about a tangible card, if, uh, you know, a present, something handwritten. You know, we still get those things in the mail. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of approaching it, which is a big thanks exclamation point. I'm like, man, like, what good did I do to somebody? Like, I, I'm feeling pretty, pretty good about myself. Like, man, who could that be? I'm going through, like, the last few days of my life. Like, man, I don't remember, like, doing anything that, that grand. But, you know, lo and behold, someone has taken the time to thank me for something. And, and you get a card, you know, it's still, like, almost, I don't know if you guys still do this, like, when you're a kid, you get a card. Like, what's in the card? Like, is there going to be any money in there? You know, gifts, uh, gift card. <laughs> it's still like that card from grandma. You open it up looking for something to fall out. And if nothing falls out, you're like disappointed right away. But you still will read the card. So I get this card. It says, thanks, exclamation point. Uh, big letters. Thanks for taking up two parking spots. <laughs> thanks again, your neighbors. P.S. All weekend, exclamation point. And man, I was a little bit crushed. Because I went from, yeah, I am this good person. I've blessed somebody. Uh, just who I am. I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm, people have to write thank you cards just because of my life, you know. Come to find out, I've been ticking off certain neighbors like all weekend long to the point they took the time to like craft a handwritten thank you card and put it on my, on my windshield. And it, it, it's funny, I just kind of <laughs> left it on my windshield now, and so not to be too antagonistic, but, um, but honestly, at the time, like, when I, when I parked there in those spots, I wasn't, like, trying to take up two spots. As far as I can remember, because I, I park around these areas often, like, you do the best you can to be courteous. You pull forward or pull back. My wife and I live in that sort of system, so we, we, we're bummed when someone kind of takes up two spots. And so I don't even know what happened. I don't know if I, it, was, it was late, I didn't see it. I kind of think, well, maybe I was between two cars, and at the time it was one spot. I don't know, but apparently I'd done some great wrong and, and a and tremendous disservice to my neighbors uh, unexpectedly. And, and sometimes, and the, and the point of this is, and when we, when we enter the Easter story for, for many of us, the point of something is we just don't even know where we're at. We don't even know what wrong we're doing. We don't even know where we're sort of falling short because we just don't know like i think i'm a good person but yet i'm i'm parking in two spots i'm not a good person apparently we just don't know people are hating me because i've i've done this thing and you have no idea and so for you and i as we approach this sort of idea of of god and some of us are are very comfortable with that and some of us are, are still discovering that and some of us are are uncomfortable with that but if there is this divine there's this divine being who's who is god and and who is who is different than us and 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 presumably better than us, and more perfect than us. Sometimes we just don't even know where we're falling short. And the Bible does it pretty clear. Pretty clearly says, "Hey, listen, everybody falls short. Even you guys who think you're doing fine. Like even me, who thinks I'm so grand, is falling short in in my neighborhood." And so, but so so we have this sort of issue that we just sometimes we just don't even know. It's just kind of this reminder, like, man, I don't even know where I'm where I'm messing up. 
some things I know, and we all kind of have those things, like, yeah, this is not my, my ideal. I have a hard time with this. Like, I know I'm, I'm falling short here, whether it's spiritually or relationally, where I work. But what about those areas that we just don't even know? You're just like, man, you just, you're whiffing it right there. And so this gospel story is, is really about Jesus, and this is sort of the spoiler of the whole thing. He's covering all that stuff we don't even know about. He's just going to take care of it. This sort of forgiveness of, of, of sins, and sins is, is, is the absence of shalom. It's the absence of peace. There's areas where there's not peace in your life and or in other, li- other people's lives, where there's not peace between you and God. Jesus is like, I'm just going to take care of all that. Just even the stuff you don't know about. And some of us, when we, when we, approach, we approach God, we're like, man, God, forgive me for my sins, or man, I blew it today in this area. We know those things. What about the stuff we don't know about? That's, that, becomes, that becomes the issue. That really becomes the need for this story that we're looking at. It has to do with the cross. Because the people of, of the Bible, if we look through the, the text of the Bible from the Old Testament, which points all the way up to these, this gospel story in the New Testament, and the rest of the text of the Bible flows out of that, it's people really trying to make right with God. They, they believe in God, and they want to be on his good side. They want, to, they want to have peace with God and peace with one another. They want to have this shalom, and they're struggling to get that going. And it's not because they're not trying, but this becomes this major hiccup in the human story. And so if you believe in God, there's, there's sort of this, man, how do, I, how do I appease God? This is the religions all over the world since the beginning of time. How do I keep God happy? What sacrifices does he need? What offerings does he need? What chants does he need to hear? How do I pray? When do I pray? What direction do I pray? And what temple do I worship in? Right, the story of, of, of humanity from the beginning the, the whole sort of atheist thing is new, really, in, in, our, in our grander story of, of humankind. Humans have been trying to figure out, how do we, how do we get close to God? Well, how do we make God happy with us? How do we get God to love us, to, to bless us, to please us? And so the story of the Bible, our, our Christian story, is the same. There's this people, this tribe of people trying to figure out, how do we, how do we keep working and, and doing our best to make sure God's comfortable with us? And God said, here, follow these laws. Like, we're trying to follow the laws, but it's so hard. And they keep falling short and keep falling short. And we try and we try and we try. And you and I, we try with our spirituality. We try in relationships. We, we, we try kind of emotionally or even physically. We try for these certain goals. But man, if you're like me, you're, you have weak moments and you, and you fall short. Last night, we were yesterday afternoon, evening, running some errands with uh, my kids for, for Easter, and, and Amy was working all week at this uh, robot convention, which is a story for another time. And, uh, you know, I, I'm taking the kids some places they don't want to go. And, like, where do we have to go? I'm like, Home Depot. We're like, oh, Home Depot. Like, and we get out of there, and like, where are we going now? Like, we're going to Staples. Ah, oh, Staples, the worst. You know, so it's this sort of line of, like, kid errands that just feel like the worst. I'm like, listen, let's do this, and we'll get in and out. I'm like, all right, yes. In and out will cover a multitude of those sins. So we're going to go to In and Out, and we'll eat eat burgers and 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 do that. So we run our errands. And we go to In and Out, and we get a you know kind of whatever they want, animal style, double doubles or whatever, a couple fries, milkshakes, Neapolitan milkshakes, and we load up and we go home and we eat. And we're pretty full. Clean up the house. This is like I don't know five six o'clock at night. Um, kind of unwind a little bit. I have some work to do and. And Amy's still out. She's getting home around 9 or 10 o'clock at night. Amy comes in. She calls at like 9, 9.30. She's like, all right, I'm on my way home. And all right, cool. Like, could you guys come help unload the car and, and bring some of the stuff in? And so we start helping her unload the car. We're going to get these, these, you know, things she picked up from the conference. And it turns out one of the things she ended up with from the conference, at the end of this conference, they were eating and drinking, was a full 
Pizza Man Dan's pepperoni pizza, still warm. Like, and it just comes in the door. And I see it, like, come in the door. I'm like, I don't need that pizza. But I'm like, I could just tell it's not going to go well. I'm going to get into this pizza. Like, can you ever resist a pizza, piece of pizza? And so, like, I'm not going to do it. I don't need it. Um, I'm 40, and I just don't need to be eating pepperoni pizza late at night. And I kind of put it on the counter, leave it closed, and, like, do some other stuff. Then I walk by it, like, another time, and I kind of lift it up to check. Like, yeah, let me check out that pizza. Yeah, that's definitely a whole pizza. Hmm, still warm. Like, I'm just going to have a bite. <laughs> like, who has a bite of pizza? But I took one piece out. I was, like, going for this smallest piece, had a bite, and I put it back. Like, I'm going to walk, which is totally inconsiderate to everybody else, but... I'm trying to resist. End of the story, I ended up having like two or three pieces by the end of the night, you know, from 10, between 10 o'clock and 11.30. Like, just could not stop, could not do it, could not get it right. And we all have those things that we just feel like, man, I, it's not like I want to do it. I know it's not great for me to, to eat this right now for how I'm going to sleep and just whatever, but I can't stop myself. I'm giving in. And, and, the, and the human story is about that. Like, we just aren't strong enough to meet these certain expectations even in our own lives, like not eating pizza, like I'm not strong-willed enough to not eat pizza. How am I going to be strong-willed enough to, to please the God of the universe who, who sort of demands his perfection? It's impossible. And so the whole Old Testament is these people up and down, and, and many of you guys know this, and they're failing, and they're getting right, and they have these seasons that's working for a little while, and then it falls apart, and it's not like they're not trying. It's just it, trying is not good enough. Trying is not good enough sometimes. We need that grace we need just something just to cover us, like, it's okay. Like, just don't even worry about it. And that, begin, that is the Jesus story. A few weeks ago, I was walking out uh, the door um, to my house, and I had some, um, you know, picking up my couple of books and, some, and some, uh, some papers, and I can't remember where I was going, but I had a little stack that I kind of gathered from our kitchen table. And I'm walking out the door, and <clears throat> Amy's on the couch, and I go over to kind of, just say goodbye to her, and I lean over to kiss Amy goodbye, and, and uh, you should always kiss your wife goodbye. I don't always do it, but always kiss your wife goodbye, and I lean over to kiss her, kiss her goodbye, and she, and she like, she takes the whip, she's like, what, what are you wearing? She's like, you smell amazing. I'm like, I don't know, like, maybe you should write a thank you card to me, and, and she's like, no, seriously, you smell so good. I'm like, I'm like leaning over, like, I don't know, soap, like, whatever, so, so I get up, and I'm, and I'm about to leave, and I get, I get, um, Something else comes up. I get a call, and I have to go find something else. I jump back on my computer, and I come back around. I'm ready to go. I have my stuff. I'm going out to my truck, and I go over to kiss Amy goodbye because she always kiss your wife goodbye. And, and she's like, seriously, who are you trying to impress? I'm like, I don't know. Like, you don't even care. You, you don't love me. You just are worried about who's, who else is going to get to smell me. And, uh, <laughs> and she's like, seriously, what, what's going on? And I'm like, I look down at the pile in my hands of what I was bringing out to my truck. And I was bringing out this amazing little thing called pine tree perfume. And my wife was massively turned on by the scent of vanilla rama. Vanilla rama. Vanilla rama, man, she just gets her. So I ordered a box on Amazon. I'm like, hey, baby, let's do this. Put it all over our bedroom. Sorry. But if you have ever had these things, right, because they do smell pretty good when you fire them up in your car after the car wash, smell, car smells amazing, they don't last. It doesn't last that long. It's super fun for a while. Then you forget about it. And, like, if you're like me, sometimes I still leave it there. It smells like nothing, but it's still hanging in there, right? 
But then sometimes I move it to like under my seat, like, oh, maybe a little bit will come out later. Like they just don't last. Even if you cut it the way you're supposed to, anyone actually like, you know, you get your scissors out. You're supposed to cut up the plastic and let a little bit out of time. Do you guys know that? Who does that? I don't want to hang that plastic in my car. Let it out. You know, let's let the vanilla aroma flow. Like, let's do this. But these things, they just don't last. Like that, even as good as it smells it is, it, it doesn't work. And so when we talk about our, 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 our story, our faith story, and, and, the, and I have a Bible here. That's why I'm pointing to it. <clears throat> there's, this, there's this effort from people who will work a little bit closer to God and with one another, and they'll establish peace for a little while, but it's too hard to make it last. It's too hard to make that, 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 that peace, that perfection, that cleanliness, that, that joy, whatever those things are, it's too hard to make that last on their own accord, and, and the people will struggle through the Bible, from the Old Testament to the New Testament to today, to try to find some way to, of, of lasting joy and happiness and good smell. And I don't care what that is in your life, that maybe, you know, feel like you're struggling with, with God. Yeah, that's going to happen. Maybe there's seasons like, man, I'm, I'm feeling really good right now. But there's going to be other times where it doesn't feel good. There's times in your life, like, what is it that you feel like, man, I just need more of something. And for, for a window, when you're feeling down or you're looking for something, maybe something pops up. Maybe that's a job. Maybe you get this new job. You're like, man, I'm super pumped about this new job. This is what I've always wanted until like a year, two, three, four, five years later. Like, man, it's just my job. It wears off. This, the, the scent wears off. That could be a new car. New cars are great for a while. You feel really good to drive, and, and, and that's exciting. And then that wears off. All right, money wears off. Relationship. Man, if I just had this relationship, and eventually that, the, the kind of shine and the, and the magical scent of that wears off. Social media, school, whatever that is in your life, you find these things. Oh, my gosh, if I could just have that, then things will be better. If I could just get that person, if I could just get this house, if I could just have that car, if I could just, uh, just have this job, if I could just have this vacation, if I could just have this many followers, if I could just have this many friends, then things will be better. And sometimes those feel good for a little while. They absolutely do. And, and sometimes those are really good things. Those can be great things. But if you've lived long enough, you sort of begin to notice, like, man, I, that, that's kind of wearing off. I, I used to be really excited about that, but it sort of just tapers off. And you start to think, man, I, I thought it would be better. And so we live that way, and our, our, our spirituality can feel that way. And again, so we get to this point of, of the cross, and Jesus like, man, I, you guys are even going to fall short on the things you love. I, I, I got to just take care of this for you and offer you something that's lasting. <clears throat> I'm going to read a little bit of, um, of a little bit of the, the cross story out of John, uh, Luke. I'm sorry. And we'll jump into John in just a minute. The uh, story is so good. I was just reading a lot this week and just letting it sit. I'm going to read out of the message today. Uh, it kind of has a nice flow to it. But uh, if you follow this story, basically Jesus has been, been, been crucified. He's hanging on the cross. Uh, the Jewish people hated him. He, he was sort of undermining everything they'd established in their religion. And, uh, and they, were just, they, were, they were done with him. And so they, they basically arranged a way for him. They put the death on a cross at the hands of the Roman, Roman government, the Roman empires. And Jesus is hanging on the cross, and he was, and he was there with two, these two other guys. <clears throat> we don't know a ton about the other, other guys, that they were there beside him. And this is toward the end of Jesus is still alive, but he's hanging on this, on this cross. And so the soldiers came up and poked fun at him, making a game of it. And they toasted him with some wine. So you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And so they're mocking Jesus. And printed over him was this sign that said king of the Jews. And one of the criminals hanging beside Jesus, alongside the Alongside of Jesus, cursed him and said, Some Messiah, you are, save yourself, save us. So these, these 
these two other guys next to Jesus. Now, Jesus really hadn't done anything wrong, uh, even by the, the Roman government standards, but the Jewish side of things, government was just putting enough pressure on him to do whatever, whatever you guys want to do. These two other guys hanging there were, were criminals. You didn't just get hung for no reason. They were, they were guilty, and they were sentenced to, to death on a cross. And these two guys are probably pretty close to Jesus. He says, some Messiah, you are save yourself, save us. This one guy just mocks Jesus. But the other one made him shut up. He said, have, no, have you no fear of God? You're getting the same as him. We deserve this, but not him. He did nothing to deserve this. Then Jesus said, remember me. He said this, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. Jesus said, don't worry, I will. Today you will, be, you will join me in paradise. And so Jesus gave up his, his last breath. So these, these two criminals who had, who had, who had done wrong uh, deserved to be there. Jesus is in the middle, and one's mocking him, and one's like, man, back off, man. This guy has done nothing wrong. We deserve this. He's done nothing wrong. And it's this sort of solemn kind of moment up there between these guys. And there's a little bit of, of, of us in, all, in each, of those, each of those stories. And I, I think where you and I, you know, we've all been in a place like these guys, in the course, like a place of suffering, right? And, and probably not physically that bad. Or you feel like, man, this life is hard. I'm suffering right now. And how do you respond to God in those moments of suffering? Is it like, man, God's still good, and, and I'm, I'm just going to have to get through this, and I, and I, and I, and I, deserve, I deserve this? Or, like, or you curse God because, man, you should just get me out of this. And this second thief on the cross, this criminal on the cross, his approach to Jesus is, is so humble, and I think there's so pure. And this is the beginning of our relationship with Jesus. If you know Jesus today, this is a great reminder. If you don't, this is sort of where this begins. It's basically saying, yeah, I, I've done wrong. I, I've, I'm a criminal. I, I've, I have wrongdoing. I'm broken. Uh, there's absence of peace in my life, but you've done nothing wrong. Like, that's where we begin when we approach Jesus. Like, I, I'm, I'm broken. You're perfect. And it's very simple, and it's very pure, and it's very profound. And Jesus responds like, man, you get it. Let's, you're with me. You're with me. There's this admittance like, yeah, I'm, I'm a broken, frail, sinful human being. And Jesus, you're not. You've done nothing wrong. You're perfect. That's a very simple, but that is the core of our relationship there is remembering that or acknowledging that maybe for a first time. And it can be scary because nobody wants to, to admit they're wrong. Even that guy dying on the cross, he's, he's, not in the, he's not in the mindset of like, wow, man, where did I go wrong in life? Maybe I can get some forgiveness now. He's like, he doesn't even, he doesn't care. But the second guy is like, hmm, this guy's done nothing, nothing wrong. The <clears throat> uh, story of John picks up this way at the end of 19, and you've been with us. We've been looking at this, but uh, Jesus dies on the cross and says, after all, after all this, Joseph Arimathea, uh, he, was, he was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he was intimidated by the Jews, petitioned Pilate, Pilate's the Roman governor, to take the body of Jesus. Pilate gave permission, so Joseph came and took the body. Nicodemus, who had first come to Jesus at night, came now in the broad daylight carrying a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. He took Jesus' body, and following, Jewish, following Jewish burial custom, wrapped it in linen with spices. There was a guard near the place he was crucified, in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been placed. So because it was Sabbath, preparation for the Jews, and the tomb was convenient, they placed Jesus in it. And this interesting little aside, this character, Joseph of Arimathea, uh, he he said he was a nighttime disciple. Like, 
he was a follower of Jesus, but just when nobody was watching. And, you know, I think a lot of us can relate to that in some way. You're not quite willing to say, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but you're not about to say that maybe you are. And he kind of walks us out, and it's interesting, John comments on this, and there's this little narrative of this sort of nighttime, but still doing stuff. Nicodemus, he used to only come out at night, but now he's coming out in, in the day. And Joseph Arimathea was a rich, wealthy man. And living in Jerusalem at that time, you had to do business with, with the Jews. I mean, you still have to do business with the Jews today. Like, they are business people. Like, and so to, for him to be a follower of Jesus could have cost him his, his business, his livelihood, his social circle, all those things. And at that stage of his life early on, he's like, I'm not sure I'm ready to do that. That's just an honest place of life for some of us. Like, yeah, I, I, I like the teaching of Jesus, but I'm not quite willing to, to bring them out in the broad daylight. I'm not willing to risk public opinion. And you see this, this, this small couple lines, this guy, he's struggling with that. Yet what he does do, and he's a wealthy man, he has a tomb. Matthew, Matthew tells us it's his tomb. John does not. It's this guy Joseph's tomb, uh, which, is a, which is a pretty nice thing to have. Not everyone got a full tomb. They'd kind of be buried in hillside, uh, rock sides, kind of stacked up. Jewish people didn't use coffins. They were laid, kind of laid open, wrapped in linens and laid out. And, but he had this whole tomb. He had this sort of this wealthy man. He built a tomb for himself, a really nice tomb that, that he was going to use for himself. And then he gives this thing away. And in his, from his standpoint, he's not going to get it back. Like, you don't give away your tomb and then come get it later. Like, you're going to roll the stone down and it's over. And this tomb becomes... The, one of the most, the most talked about tomb in, in all of history. And I think it's cool that this guy, who's a, who's a rich guy, probably has been a little closed off to Jesus, in this moment responds, even though maybe in the past he hasn't been perfect, responds out of tremendous generosity and gives something important to him away with no expectation of return. And then all of a sudden it becomes the most amazing tomb in all of history. And we have that kind of capability in our lives to be generous with stuff. You think, man, shoot, I have to be generous with that? I saved for that? I've been building that? That's custom for me? And then a need pops up, and he probably just felt a leap in his heart like, man, I got I to give my tomb away. That's, that's for somebody else. And he ends up be, becoming tremendously blessed. His name's in the archives of our sacred text. His tomb is, is famous. He's just saying, all right, I'm going to do it and walk away. And I don't presume it was easy for a guy to give away his own personal tomb that he's been building when he hasn't even been that much of a follower of Jesus. But all the same, anybody can jump in at any time. John goes on this early in the morning. So Jesus is is, is placed in the tomb. He's wrapped 70 pounds of spices, wrapped in linen. Early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw the stone was moved away from the entrance. She ran at once to Simon Peter and the other dis- and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, breath- breathlessly panting. So there's this garden near where the crucifixion was, or in the city. They're probably within a mile, mile and a half of some houses where they're staying. Uh, Mary's there, like a f- in the dark. I mean, she just can't handle it anymore. She's so worried about even at this stage the body of Jesus, who was her friend and her Lord and her teacher, and her everything, someone who delivered her from her past. And she's just anxious to get there, and and she runs to get Peter. 
And when John writes the other disciple, it's John. He does this, you know, fairly often. <clears throat> it's himself. She ran at once to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. So he's humble enough to not use his own name, but he's still like competitive enough to say, the one Jesus loved. You know, right? That's sort of, that's John humble brags. Breathlessly panning, they took the master from the tomb. We don't know where they put him. Peter and the other disciple left immediately for the tomb. They ran neck and neck. The other disciple got to the tomb first, outrunning Peter. So John, again, like, he kind of has to include, we both ran, but one of them was a little faster than the other. Like, <laughs> he's just that guy. Uh, so the other disciple got to the tomb first, outrunning P- Peter. Stopping to look in, he saw the pieces of linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. Simon Peter arrived after him, entered the tomb, observed the linen cloths lying there, the kerchief used to cover his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but separate, neatly folded by itself. Then the other disciple, the one who had gotten there first, went into the tomb, took one look at the evidence, and believed. No one yet knew from the scripture that he had to rise from the dead. The disciples then went back home. So, so Mary's there. She's, she is just, she can't handle it. She wanted to go and, and make sure her Lord was being cared for properly. She wasn't looking for him to be out of the tomb. She just wanted to make sure the, the, the preparations had followed through because they, they buried Jesus. It was kind of in a rush because Sabbath was coming. And they couldn't do anything. And she just has to get there. She's just devoted to Jesus. Even when he's alive, she's devoted to Jesus. If he's dead, she's devoted to Jesus. She's devoted to Jesus. And she finds out that, that he's not there, like something happened, the, 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 the stone's gone. Uh, he's not in there. She runs back and tells these two kind of lead, lead, lead disciples. And these guys run to the, run to the tomb because they're, they're Jesus' kind of right-hand guys. And they're concerned and if someone stole the body, that's, that's heartbreaking. They want to get to the bottom of that. They need to recover this. This is an issue. It's not like, oh, it doesn't matter, like, a lot's happened in the past few days for them, and, and the last thing they need is to, is to not be at peace with where his body is resting. And so they run to this garden where, where, where Jesus was entombed, and, and, and Peter goes in, he sees the clothes, and John writes this in his accounts, like, they were kind of neatly folded up. And so if someone steals the body of Jesus, like, are they going to take the time to fold up his stuff and lay it on the bed? Right, which would have been confusing to Peter. And John's kind of like... Something happened. Maybe, maybe his whole body just went away. Like, they don't really know. Did he believe, but they weren't sure. And that's okay sometimes. Like, I believe. I'm just not totally sure what's happening. I believe something's happening. I believe there, there, there is a God. I believe Jesus has, has somehow transcended whatever situation is, but I'm not sure what happened because they didn't know from Scripture that he was supposed to rise from the dead. So it's like, all right, I'm, I, I believe he's not stolen. I believe it's somewhere else. And then they went home. And what it doesn't say is that they went home. It doesn't say they told anybody. They didn't really know what happened. They didn't really even have anything to say. They were kind of confused in this, in this, in this moment. But it goes on, and Mary, it says Mary's there. Mary stood out the tomb weeping. And as, as she wept, she knelt to look into the tomb and saw two angels sitting there dressed in white, one at, the, one at the head, the other at the foot where Jesus' body had been laid. They said to her, woman, why do you weep? So Mary, again, just loves Jesus, and she's crying, and she gets the guys, and they come, and they look in, and they sort of have this epiphany, like, oh, my gosh, like, something's happening. But, but apparently they didn't tell Mary. They didn't comfort Mary. Typical loser guys. They're running back. 
There's this girl crying, distraught, brokenhearted. John believed, but he didn't say anything. Come on, John. He's too busy about beating Peter back to the house. Mary is just standing there, there weeping. And when you know something, and for John and, and, and Peter, they didn't really know, but when you know something, you, you, you share it, right? And I'm not always great about that. Like if Amy knows something, I definitely find out like right away. If I know something, she might find out after asking very specific questions. Or like there was just sort of like, you know, flash in the universe and I blurt something out. Like I, I'm a poor communi- communicator that way and I apologize on behalf of other people like that, like John and Peter who should have put an arm on Mary and say, listen, it's going to be okay. We, we think something's happening here, but Mary is, is, is left there crying outside this tomb. And, and she looks in, and I don't know if she had looked in before. Maybe she was looking in again. But she's just standing there. She sees these, these angels, or what she perceives to be angels. We don't have a ton of in, intel on that. And they say, woman, why do you weep? And they say, they took my master. I don't know where they put him. Again, she's not thinking he's riven, risen. She just misses that his, his, his body, that his... His peace, his, his grave has been disrupted. And after she said this, she says, they took my message, she turned and she saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize him. And she's in this moment of distress and she sees these angels. I don't know what she would have thought about the angels. It doesn't say she was uh, alarmed. Typically when people encounter angels, they, they says they're struck by fear and the angels say, don't be afraid. But there's none of that. She's just so like lost in this moment of, of, of hurt and heartbreak. She turns and sees, sees Jesus, but doesn't even recognize him. Jesus speaks to him, woman, why do you weep? Who are you looking for? Who are you looking for? And she's thinking that she's talking to the gardener, which would have been Joseph, uh, Joseph's, whose tomb was his gardener, kind of wealthy man. He had a gardener. She's like, it's Joseph's gardener. She's like, mister, if you took him, tell me where you put him so I can take care of him. She's just beat down. And she's like, I don't know. This guy's probably not going to help. But like, if, could you just help me out? These guys came. They left. I'm just, and she's just broken. You took him. Tell me where you put him so I can take care of him. And Jesus says, Mary, Mary. And turning to face him because she had turned away. So she had, she had been in the tomb. Someone's talking to her. She sees this guy. Like, I don't know, man. Do you know where he is? Do you take him? Can you tell me? She, she turns away, and then she turns back when he, she hears her name, Mary. She hears her name. She hears the, her, her Lord, her friend, her Savior. Ultimately, her God call her name. She faces him, and in Hebrew says, Rabboni, Rabboni, meaning teacher. Like, that was, her, that was her name for Jesus. And she throws herself on Jesus, and she's, and she's touching him, and some of it's probably like, are you real? Are you real? And she's, she's hanging on. She's, hey, don't hang on to me. I've not yet finished yet. I have to still ascend to the Father, which is go and tell my brothers and tell them I, I, I will ascend to my Father, your God, my God and your God. And Mary went telling the good news to the disciples. She said, I saw the master and she told them everything he had said to her. And Mary brings this word really as the first witness of, of the resurrection. The first person telling the gospel story is this girl. And that's so like Jesus. It's so like our God. Especially in a culture where, well, well, even worse than now, if you can imagine that, women were not listened to. That would not have been a credible resource. Jesus sort of orchestrates it with this, this beautiful, young, broken girl and calls her by name and sends her on her way to, to tell this story. 
I don't know where you're at. I'm going to bring the, the Brooke and Hannah up in a minute if you want to come play. And, and, and I don't know where you're at with Jesus. And this story will go on. He tells the disciples. There's another disciple that was there named Thomas. He met, Jesus shows up eventually. This guy Thomas isn't there. He's like, I don't believe it. I got to see him. Jesus is like, all right, here I am. He's like, I got to touch you. He's like, all right, touch me. And so there's this, this flow of people encountering Jesus, and they're coming from different places and at different times and at different speeds. And that's okay because it doesn't matter how or when you get to Jesus, just so that you, as long as you know he's there when you do, that he is real, you can get to him. If you're running to him, awesome. If you're broken and just crying and trying to find him and hanging around, great. If you're kind of waiting in a distance because you're just not sure, you need a little more effort, that's okay too. If you're like, well, everyone else believes in him, and then you're like, I just can't do that, not until I actually touch him. Guess what? Jesus showed up. He said, sure, touch me. But he says, greater are those who will believe without seeing. And we live in that time, and there's this witness and testimony, I think, amongst even believers in this room. When I see the church, I'm like, man, it's real. It's real. I just know it's real. And it makes no sense. This whole thing sometimes makes no sense. It's, it's the grace of, of God, if there is a God, and, and, and we believe in it, and that he loves us. He's provided this story that I'm going to send my son to, to liberate you, to free you from any kind of guilt, shame, works, disappointment. I, I just want you to know you're loved. You don't have to do anything for it. And I don't know where you're at, and, and, and I just want to be remiss if I didn't create some form of invitation this morning. Um, if you don't know Jesus I, in a moment, I just want to invite you into that. And it can be as simple as, like the criminal on the cross, I man, I, I don't know everything there is to know, but I know that I'm broken and that Jesus is not. And that Jesus has the power to rescue. Jesus has the power to rescue. So I'll pray in a minute. If that's you, you can raise your hand. But I just want to give an invitation to, to some of the rest of us who've maybe had that moment with Jesus in the past. And the deal with Jesus, if you talk to people, like, when you know, you know, I don't know, your hand goes up or you just do it. But some of us have done that, and maybe we've just gotten a little lax. And you're like, now you're not really the disciple who's running in excitement. You're like the one waiting back at the house. Maybe you're the disciple who only comes out at night. Because you're like, I am going to do this, but I just don't want anyone to see it. Maybe you need to come out of that place. This is sort of stepped it up to have that sort of passion again. Like Peter, we talked about a few weeks ago, Peter kind of lost his identity for a while. Man, Peter's back. He's running. He's back. Where do you get that back? Some of us have had that before, and we want that back, and instead of just waiting on the side or, or doing things when no one's watching, practicing in secret. So I'm going to pray, and you, you can bow your heads and close your eyes. And uh, Dear Jesus, thank you for your story. Thank you for inviting us uh, into it. Thank you for your grace, for your love. Thank you for making us glorious, even though we are, we are broken. And so right now, if so, anyone in this room is going to invite you, if you're interested in getting to know Jesus, you can just lift up your hand. You can just raise your hand a little, just so that you would, you, would, you would begin to enter into that story. You don't have to know everything. That's totally fine. Just like the complete through the cross, okay? I'm coming up short. And if you're a person who maybe you've made that decision, you're following Jesus, be like, man, I'm a little bit of a nighttime disciple. 
Or I'm just a disciple waiting at the house. I want to be a little more like Peter and John. I want to get out and run. You just quietly lift your hand, and we're just going to pray together. Jesus, we do. We thank you for your story, for your grace. You are glorious. I pray for those who had responded to you this morning, that you would fill their heart with joy and peace and calm and heal those broken wounds. Now we pray that we would strive to search after you stronger and harder. Thank you for that. When we come up short, you got us. Spirit, we invite you as we close out move in this place in Jesus name the preceding was recorded at New Church in Ventura California Pastor Jesse Giglio was speaking for more information about New Church go to n-e-u-e-c-h-u-r-c-h dot com that website address again is n-e-u-e-c-h-u-r-c-h dot com thanks for listening and may God bless you and yours <laughs>